Alexa, what time is it? It's 6.26pm. Okay. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. Well, you might notice something slightly different about our show today. Um, if you actually end up watching this, because um, I know right now that nobody is watching it live. Um, so podcasts aren't a key worker requirement job? No. Role? No, definitely not. So podcasts are not worth your the lives of your loved ones, basically. So we are we are physically separate. Indeed. Um, indeed. So I, I am com- I am coming to you live and direct from my home office um, with my head set on and Simon is in our Cosham studio. In our Cosham studio, yes. So we, we have a guest, which is uh, Councillor Susie Horton on. Um, Susie Horton, she'll be joining us um, in a moment. Um, she's the cabinet member responsible for education in the city. Um, but we invited her on to talk to us uh, about how the educators and all of the people that work in the education sector in the city are rising to the challenges that um, that have been put at their door, basically, with regard to um, COVID-19. Um, to share with us the the good stories about that. And fascinating, isn't it, Simon, that a year on from us starting this podcast, we're coming up for our first anniversary. Yeah. And really, it was just a vehicle for us to scuffle about Brexit. And uh, there's a word you haven't heard for the last couple of weeks. Well, do you... are, Are you at the point yet where you are looking back with fondness at talking about Brexit? and wishing that we were only talking about Brexit. Yeah, I kind of, I take it over this, because this is, this is just, this is grim and surreal in equal measure. Um, you know, it's that element of, you know, in the Kosham estate where we live, we, we walked out today to do the, the six-foot separated Mother's Day meet, where uh, we all stood in a circle more than two metres apart. Um, but walking back, it was eerie in that we realised that we walked the entire way home without a single car passing us. Well, yeah, it is it, 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 strange times, definitely strange times. Um, it's it's interesting to see how, how people, I think everybody's responding in different ways. I think people are in a different place as to how they're, how they're, um, I don't want to use the word responding to it, but how, how they're, um, reaction is to this how they've well how much they've accepted it how much um they they've understood how much it's it's changing their life at the moment i think it's that old kind of emotional cycle of change thing of people are in a different points at the moment some some people are at the are a bit of bit of a denial point some people are uh they're, they're, to be honest they're, they're kind of freaking out a bit and they're panicking um yeah no and 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 to be fair i i don't blame anybody for no. being afraid you know, at no. the end of the day, this is, you know, probably the, the, the I, you know, I think we can already say with our hands on our heart, this is almost certainly the, the scariest thing I've, you know, faced in my lifetime. You, you know, you go back to the Falklands War in 82 and you, you know, you think about, you know, when we went into a rut, there was nothing that was 
this frightening that was this close to home. So, you know, I don't blame anybody for being in a state of uh, anxiety and, and fear at the moment. And I think, you know, part of our responsibility, if we have any at all, is is to, you know, to talk about these things, not necessarily from a position of any kind of medical expertise, because we're clearly not, but really just looking at, you know, some of the emotional impact and, and the, the legacies that, that this period is probably going to leave us with. Yeah, I, th- I, I think there's a, for me, the heartwarming thing is that seeing so many different community organisations or seeing people um, coming together to offer to offer to help each other. Yeah, you're, I, I, but what you were saying earlier on, I, th- I, I think you're right. I, do you know what? No one should be ashamed of being frightened or, you know, being scared or worrying about what's, what's happening. At the end of the day, that's, that's a natural human response. And, Yep. Um, it's okay to be frightened. It's okay to not know what's going to happen next and for that to be a disturbing thing. There's lots of people going through very, very big changes in their lives, whether that's, you know, they're, they're worrying about where, basically where the next where the next pound's coming from, um, worrying about how they're going to make sure that, you know, that their parents are, are, are being sufficiently looked after. There are lots of people facing those sorts of challenges. So I think it's a, we almost kind of need to cut ourselves a bit of slack in the sense of, look, it, it is, this is a frightening thing. It is okay to be frightened. Um, yep. What we, what we do have control of and what we, you know, what we can hopefully think about is that bearing that in mind, knowing that, look, the shops in themselves, the dish, you know, the supply chains aren't running out of food that we aren't going to have a nationwide shortage of toilet roll. Um, we, perhaps we can, um, ask ourselves to, to you know to challenge that kind of leap to panic a little bit maybe um, maybe kind of dial that back a bit and and, and just help each other but yeah, I, th- I, I think yeah I know I think you're spot on there Simon I think for, for me there's there's the personal responsibility piece which is not to overreact um, and I think the other thing particularly with the you know with the online community is uh, and I've I've been you know, it's, this has been the thing that's probably vexed me most this week. It, it's the people who are posting scare stories and scared stories with no scientific background knowledge or whatever, but just looking to stoke up fear and, and oh, it's so much worse. Oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, I just... That those are the people for whom I, I, I'm finding a fairly low level of tolerance. And I recognise it's almost certainly coming out of their own fear, but I don't think I don't think anybody's gonna make their own fear better by frightening lots of other people as well. Uh, no no they're not. I d um and I'm I, I'm just I'm kind of edging on the side of I I I don't want to be harsh on anybody, anybody else, because I can under because fear in itself is is an irrational response, and yep. and as much as we we all you know sometimes people aren't in a position to be able to to be able to take you know take control of their fear because you know because they're literally that that kind of worried. But even if you are frightened, even if you are worried about and uns- and find it really deeply unsettling, entirely understandable. Let's at least all try to be kind to each other. You know, let's. Um, let's be that bit of respectful that we you know that when we come out to the, come out the other side of this that we can look each other in the eye or look ourselves in the eye um in the mirror in the morning and say uh, okay do you know what that was a tough time it was scary um but i did 
this or I was able to do this. And we're going to learn loads of different things and learn how to communicate and how to meet each other and collaborate in lots of lots of different ways. But um, what, you know, what we don't want to be is the person that's, you know, causing, you know, someone else distress every you know every everybody's got a reason to be distressed at the moment let's let's go through this together let's treat each other with kindness um and aim to be the person that at the end of this can um can can you know can look themselves in the mirror and say okay um i i was proud of what i did or i was happy with what i did let, let, let's yeah. let, let's aim for that and i'm and i say that without trying to be judgmental of people that aren't in a place where they feel they can do that right now because because fear does strange things to people yeah, indeed. And we've always agreed that when it comes to the podcast, my role is to be judgmental. Yours is to be the uh, the voice of reason and kindness. <laughs> well, we shall we shall try on that. But on on the aim of trying to find some good news stories lined up in our in our waiting room. So we we we're exploring new ways of using technology as we're all going to be doing. Um, so we're doing this this meeting actually through Zoom rather than live streaming on Facebook and inviting people basically just to join the meeting um, anonymously. But lined up in our waiting room, we have Councillor Susie Horton. So I'm going to let her in. Um, yeah, and yeah, and there we have left me locked in the lobby for several minutes. Well, that was because Susie, I was welcome to the podcast. I was making a cup of tea. Let me. Oh, her audio is just connecting, and I'm just going to unmute Susie. Susie, welcome. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Can, yes, you can. Can can you hear us? I can hear you. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. We can hear you and we can see you. Can you hear Ian? Well, let's give that a go. So, are you getting my dulcet, warm tones coming through there, Susie? I can hear you very clearly, Ian. Brilliant. Marvelous. Marvelous. So, what a week you must have had since uh, since the announcement on uh, that the schools were closing. Huh? Talk us through the the, the, <laughs> the the edited highlights of what must be and have been an incredible week for you. Yeah, it, indeed it has been. I mean, what's really interesting is it, it's not it's not even a week since schools knew what was going on, really. Um, but um, yep. as ever, they could see things coming up the track, and um, and and schools at their best are organised, and so there were a lot of there was a lot of work that was going on um, without actually knowing the detail of what was happening i think it's fair to say that a lot of schools were preparing for a full closure um and then the announcement um of, uh, of them staying open for for key workers and vulnerable children you know sort of set it off in a slightly different um direction and then of course not knowing what was meant by key worker again for a further 36 hours was extra pressure so um mm. yes it has been, um, you know, um, a week where we've needed to, well, schools uh, working with the council have needed to really be quite um, resilient and, um, uh, you know, flexible, really, about where, where, what they're doing and where they're going. So in terms of where that's taken us, Susie, does that mean that, you know, pretty much all schools will be open in some kind of limited capacity or or is it a case of, you know, have some schools sort of work together to, to you know, perhaps pull that those smaller groups of children into, into one place or are all schools having to maintain some sort of service? 
Well, the aim, and it's and it's really interesting what, the way you phrase that question is, we've got so used to working along the lines of economies of scale in, in life that our kind of natural tendency is to double up, you know, um, help mm. save resources, et cetera. And of course, the opposite is, intru- is true in this, in this case. What we need is the maximum amount of schools being open with the minimum amount of children in each one. Because, of course, it's... Yep. It, it's really about um, trying to employ as much as possible social distancing whilst allowing critical um, and key workers to be able to keep things going. Um, so it's an unusual it's an unusual situation to be saying, actually, we want we want schools as empty as possible with as many people um, keeping away. But you know, that, that, that's, that's our aim. No, and I think, Susie, it's one of the things where the situation we're in is is kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, so within my own organi- within my own organisation, we, we were closing down a number of our community offices, and and the ones that we had to keep open. You know, the first bright idea was that, well, the man- one manager will come in on Monday, one will come in on Tuesday, one will come in on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and we just had that moment that was like. No, 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 no. You know, because if there is somebody within the critical team that has got it, by the end of Friday, you would have exposed all five of the management team, Absolutely. you know, potentially to, to the infection, um, yeah. you know, and that, that potentially can wipe you out. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think we need to, um, I mean, things happen very, very quickly, but um, I'm a, a great believer in that actually when you're having to work under stress that you need to have some really clear principles which you return to each time because you're going to have individual schools, individual parents, individual, you know, managers or whatever coming up with their unique circumstances. And, and in order to make um, a decision under pressure, you need to kind of say, right, actually, what are the principles of what we're trying to do here? Um, and mm. so, you know, it is really throughout the whole week, it's about we need to, you know, as far as possible, reduce social interaction. Um, but all of this works back from the fact that we need to have enough um space in the nhs to deal with critical cases that's really that's where it's coming from and i think that's been made clear although i think some of the messages that have come up have have been slightly muddling of that kind of the sense of enormity about wanting to do that so on one hand it's yeah i think sorry simon sorry mate so so i guess on one hand it's handy to have a, a a kind of really pared down outcome to, to you know to set set your sights on that everyone can kind of get their ducks in a row after uh, and be mm-hmm. following but then as the message kind of percolates its way through any organization everybody kind of you get the odd kind of tweak to things is that is that perhaps kind of where some things have got a bit more fluffed up fluffied up for the what technical the last, Simon, what was the last thing you said so so if the if the if the kind of the original outcome was was set yeah. as a as a kind of okay the aim of this this exercise is in order to allow more of um, as many as possible of the nhs staff to stay in their posts yeah. eff- effectively which isn't isn't obviously ordinarily um what the outcome that you set teachers um and the teaching establishments um to operate by they have they have a you know a, a different a different outcome um mm-hmm. whereas if that's if that's effectively the thing that you're aiming for at this point, rather than um, all of the other things that um, the education sector normally um, aims itself at, you're breathing a bit heavily down the mic, mate, Ian. 
I don't know if there's anything you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, get, it's like you're standing think, in the garden. <laughs> I think um, I think I get sorry. It was breaking up a little bit, but I think what you're basically saying is that kind of all the normal things that we emphasise in schools is that right? Is actually is not the case in this situation where we're just basically wanting um, we want schools to remain open for a one single reason, really. Yes. And that is to provide um, care for critical workers. And don't forget also in this case that teachers are critical workers as well. Yes. In order to actually allow this to happen. So, yes, couldn't agree more. It's an interesting uh, turning of on its head about what, you know, what education is and all the aims of education, everything that we gear schools up to do and be in a way has kind of been turned upside down because they're there really in this case to keep um to keep children safe yeah okay so uh, but you're operating as an uh, in an emergency situation aren't you you're mm. you know that, that's that's kind of the thing um sorry Ian, you, were you going to say something that's uh, uh, and i guess you know one of the one of the things which kind of almost has made news but uh, you know, we, we've one of our sons was scheduled to do a couple of uh, GCSE resits this year, yeah. and obviously, yeah. you know, the, the GCSEs and the A levels uh, are, are now not going to happen. Um, but um, how, how do you think you know that that message has been received, and the you know the the, the approach proposed for dealing with with what is quite an extraordinary situation? Well, well it, it, I mean, it's phenomenally extraordinary in the sense that it's never actually happened before all the time the compulsory education has been in place. So, I mean, I understand that even through, you know, previously in wars and things that exams have gone on. So it is literally um, um, setting a precedent. Um, I guess the response, I think, from the majority of people has been um, it's been reasonable and proportionate. I mean, yep. that doesn't take anything away from the fact that, let's be honest, in, in terms of the individual lives that have been impacted, it really has been quite devastating because it's um it's a rite of passage. It's um mm. you know generations after generations have gone through end of school exams, and um and then there's been you know and it's changed in recent years, but there's been that leaving leaving of school. Um, changing of relationships, transitioning to the next stage of life. And that has literally been interrupted within 48 hours. So I yep. personally, as a teacher, I mean, and an educator, I wouldn't want that ever to be um, belittled. But I, I guess it goes, the fact that people have almost embraced it as the as a, a no-brainer, really, probably, you know, emphasise how serious yep. this situation is. Yeah, it's it's an yeah, and we were we we were reading online today. You know, the approach is is going to be, you know, for me, a very pragmatic one, which is to look at a host of factors in terms of, you know, assigning that final grade, and then yeah. with the sort of a the nobody loses approach, which is that if if you're not happy with the grade that you've been given, you know, when normality returns you have the opportunity to to sit and examine and and shoot for a better one if you don't like the one you've been given so again when i read that as a, as a parent i thought well I, I i you know i don't think they could have been any fairer in the way they've approached it exactly and i think i mean i think this cohort of young people will be you know it will be known as 
you know, the 2020 cohort then. And, you know, you hope, I mean, exams are, you know, um, open doors, exam results open doors and, and, and give opportunities, um, you know, both in terms of further study, but also in terms of jobs. And, um, you know, I'd hope that, employers and and i work at the university in portsmouth i don't we haven't been talking about this yet but i guess very quickly you'll have conversations around you know um about about how we mitigate against that and and make judgments on uh, allowing those young people to go on to their next stage um i mean to be honest that year has always been you know people people in the past have had a successful gcs year or a level year and are not successful it's not you know, it's not always the end of, you know, end of life, whereas we are talking about nope. literally life and death stuff with uh, the health. Um, and so, but there needs to be a sense of fairness um, around whatever system comes in um, to, to decide those final grades. Yeah, and I guess the, the, the other thing, Susie, is that, you know, uh, as a man old enough to have done O-levels and the odd CSE. I've got my grade five in metalwork, um, which luckily I've never had to call upon too often in my uh, <laughs> in my working life. But yeah. you know, when that changed to GCSEs, and obviously we had the change over the last couple of years uh, away, you know, to the yeah. the new numeric grading. And so I guess there is always an element of you know things things can look different and feel different and um you know this year's i i think the point you're making there is that i think when when looking at those grades and and you know i i guess perhaps a little bit more of a pinch of salt needs to be applied to them yeah exactly or at least some understanding on the context i mean for me um i'm not a I think some of the high stakes testing is um, not always the best um, measure of, of, of someone's ability or skills or whatever. So um, for me, it's quite interesting thinking about that because I'm, you know, I'm hoping that um, teacher, you know, teacher assessment and teacher judgments will be given some weight and possibly in coursework and stuff, but, you know, moving back towards that situation then. So um, I think it may well benefit um, some children actually who maybe are not the ones who were so uh, lucky on it on doing exams but um, I mean all, all of this needs to be uh, sort of uh, sought through um, with you know and maintain that level of fairness. It's going to have to one way or the other it's going to it's going to whatever system you just des, you design it's it's got to kind of play its way out hasn't it and uh, and um, it, but it is an unprecedented situation. So it kind of, you know, at the end of the day, it, by its very nature, it, it demands unprecedented responses and Absolutely. ways of de- ways of dealing with it. So, I mean, how for, how are the how are students coping with? So, in a, I mean, obviously not when Ian and I went to went to school, um, but when you when you end um, when you end your secondary education, mm-hmm. um, you have things like proms. We certainly didn't have that when I went to City Boys. Um, but um, as no, it was me then, neither. So. You know what I did? I took my um, O level notes in the cupboard and I went down the pub like I did every Friday. Yeah. So so things things are things are. I, I can't believe you went to City Boys though, Susie. <laughs> oh no, I didn't. Go to City Boys. No. Um, well, they only ba- they had, to be fair, they only barely let me in. So. Um, you know, in that respect, these obviously the that's the that's the the cultural norms that the students today they you know they work ferociously hard. They have a lot of pressure to to deliver to the exams that they you know that they that they're studying for. And the prom is almost I guess part of their yeah. release and their celebration yeah. of they you know these are the you know some of these people they might not actually 
um, see again kind of thing. And and it's those yeah. cultural elements of these people that they've spent the last several years of their lives working very closely with that's kind of pulled out from under them. So there's that there's there's that kind of social and social element of of that for them how, yeah, how are the students coping right, with I that mean, it's a it's a right it's a rite of passage and actually we mustn't forget that I, i've seen a lot of stuff on social media that we don't we don't know whether schools will go back at all between mm-hmm. now and the end of the summer term I mean, mm-hmm. we we really don't know how that works out it's going to work out so there's a lot of people um in, in primary schools as well who are really quite um upset about the fact that suddenly there's been this real severance of yeah of, of, of you know of the relationship with their with their classes but coming back to what you were saying it's very interesting for me because um i've always um i've always summarized my idea of education which is that it kind of serves three aims and one of them is about skills and knowledge and and you can tie assessment into that and and um providing a workforce for the country as it were and that's obviously a very high emphasis on that um in the sort of philosophy of education that we have nowadays which is high stakes testing very kind of strict curriculum etc etc but the other two aims for me of education and um they they rise up in terms of priority depend through history if you look at it is the second one which is about um a kind of cultural induction into society uh, you know so schools have um you know what's what was called in the past a hidden curriculum um you know what values we think are important how we treat people and you know what type of citizens do we want and the third one and that you know hasn't been a high priority necessarily for a um, in terms of the way the government reflects education is just learning for its own sake, mm. you know, just having fun. So in a way, the changes that are going to happen over the next few weeks, I think are going to tip that on its head as well. I mean, really, you know, there's going to be a lot of parents at home who are effectively going to be educating their children. And um, I imagine they're better geared for two and three, aim two and three, than they are one in many ways. Yeah, I get. I, I, yeah. Yes, very, mm. Go on in. Sorry. Sorry, Simon. Go on. Uh, no, I, and I think there there is that element, isn't there, where you know the curriculum has been pared down, and and it's understanding that you know the the, the focus is on the. Uh, I've always thought the three R's is ridiculous, but uh, you know you're at that situation where it has been pared down, pared down. Whereas yeah. I think you know if we look at. And if we work on the presumption that 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 the school year is over, and I know that's not assured, but it yeah. it, it seems to me at the moment Occam's razor the most likely outcome, yeah. then you, you've got to find you know you're going to have to find something to stimulate, educate, interest. Yeah. You know, it, it's that you know I I think it's going to be a huge challenge, um, yeah. but it, it, you know. If we think about this through, you know, just 10, 15 years ago, we wouldn't be having a Zoom conference now yes, because exactly. it didn't exist. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the online learning, the, the, the amount of online material is colossal. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, one of the one of the opportunities that I, I perceive in this is that, you know, who knows, children might learn to cook again. 
Yeah, and other, and other things. I, mu- I must actually say at this point that I do follow a lot of schools on social media and many of them, once they could see this coming up the track, have actually organised some quite sophisticated online learning programmes. Um, so, um, you know, I anyone who's listening who's got children, then I'm sure the schools have been in touch. So I'm not suggesting for one moment that that curriculum has been dropped completely, but I think you're right. No. Um, I think I think it's an opportunity. And, and also the other thing is, you know, parents are going to be role models to young people about how you how you 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 know deal with a crisis, mm. how you how you you know how resilient are you, how you deal with stress, how you you know how you create a new structure to your day when your life has been and your routine has been completely turned upside down, and um and this is I guess is what that second aim of education is what sort of people do you want in society and whereas schools have always undertaken a sense of responsibility for that actually you know if all being well we'll have as many children at home rather than in school for the next um however long and actually that that falls then on parents (laughs) so um I mean talking expanding on on what you were saying there about the sorts of things that um that, that schools have have set up what sorts of what because I, I i've seen i've seen messages through you know on, on, on my feed and in some of the local community groups mm. where um people that were parents i'm um, sorry people that were that were teachers that were some of whom had already been sent home because they were in classes yeah. that um that actually needed to isolate were offering to um help out their communities yeah. with um with teaching um and you know what's what sorts of what's what are kind of some good examples of the things that teachers are setting up well i think i think it depends on the year group and it depends mm-hmm. on the age group and it also depends of course how many i mean this is where this is the most challenging organizational kind of uh conundrum for us and also the the other thing is is that normally when you've got something that you're working towards in terms of organization you can you know you can manage it but this is going to be a whole load of variables that are going to be changing on a day-to-day basis so tomorrow there hopefully will be the minimum number of children in school whose parents are still fit and healthy to go and be a key worker but that doesn't mean to say their parents aren't going to be ill by the middle of the week and therefore those children may then be at home or, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really... Um, day by day. It's a really fluid situation. Um, but schools, um, so schools kind of saw this coming up. So some schools sent literally sent physical packs home with work in it. Um, a lot of schools, I understand, um, I have um, set up year group kind of through through the internet a year group um suggested activities and um i think i was looking at one today which seems to be pretty much like if those staff can stay in school and healthy then actually they are going to be um they've actually got kind of a structure to each day which um young people can work in, you know c- could phone and um, sorry log into mm-hmm. <clears throat> i know my um my brother lives in Australia. His kids have been um, sent home from their school and they were showing me today their desks being set up um, because their school is literally going to run a structured school day from that. So um, it could be that that, that 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 happens here, although I don't know the details of every individual school. And I think it's also going to present a challenge to parents, though, as well, isn't it, Susie? I mean, I'm lucky enough that I've been I've been working from home principally now for about the last 15, 16 months. So I've got a I've got my 
a little office set up here. It, it, it you know commandeered the extension, um, and my my children are 19 and 16. But the 19 year old has been sent home from work, and he's uh, you know, he's a telesales person, so he's now trying to reorganise his bedroom to become yeah. his workspace. Um, you know, the, the the 16 year old is is at that point where knowing him as we do, um, trying to ensure that he is focused on doing some college work rather than potentially playing Steam online is going to be, you know, is going to be the, the, the challenge that I think every parent's going to face yeah. because, you know, most of, you know, that, that sort of regular access to the, the internet-based world is, is, uh, is often out of sight and, and particularly, yeah. you know, with, with parents who are, who are having to work from home as well. You know, it's that it, it, it is going to be a, an entirely new dynamic in every household. It's true. And I, I think I've, I've heard the phrase being increasingly used over the last few days of the new normal, because, mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't just going to be for a week. This is, you know, depending on your individual circumstances, it's going to be for quite a long time. And, and I think, you know, I think we need to um, give credit really to people where they have, you know, when you actually think of, just over a week ago we kind of it wasn't really on most people's radars i mean i remember a week yep. ago on friday i was on a walk along um along Fawcett road with some council officers looking at you know opportunities for bike racks and then uh, and still thinking an election was going ahead and you know a few hours later that had changed and then every single day incrementally people have been dealing with massive kind of potential changes um so i think I think it is up to families to try and work out, you know, what is the best thing. And, and that's why I was kind of talking at the beginning about going back to principles, because if you live in a big house and you have a lot of IT equipment and you've got a garden and you're self-isolating and you can all work from home, I'm not saying it's an easy situation, but arguably it's more attractive than if you are, you know, ill with three children in a small enclosed space with no garden yeah now you know yep. the type the type of emphasis you might want to put on getting your you know your work done as it were you know may be different in those and you know and 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 also there's the mental health of of young people as well you know if if a young person is quite chilled about it all then you've got the opportunity to to get a kind of structured home learning environment going if you know if a child's suffering from a lot of anxiety about it then that's going to be different so i think parents need to um trust their instincts on this and and maybe make some choices about whether getting a fractions worksheet is more important than actually sitting down and having quality conversations about you know emotions and resilience and I'm I'm really encouraged to hear you say that, Susie, because one of the things that that, that I, I think I've struggled with in a lot of the online exchanges over the last few weeks is is for some people the expectation that the the government or you know some authority figure should be telling them exactly how to respond to this in their unique personal circumstances and and i think that that element of trust your instincts it is mm -hmm. you know it, it is something kind of really important you know particularly as as, as parents with children you know mm -hmm. they they don't come with the haynes manual 
you know, yeah. there, there isn't a quali- <laughs> there isn't a qualification that you take yeah. before you get one. Yeah. So, you know, however many years you've had yours, you, you've, you know, you've managed it so far. Yeah. All right, yeah. circumstances are wildly different to those that you expect. But yeah. I kind of, I think we should back the fact that, that the parents of Portsmouth will, will probably make a pretty decent fist to this. Yeah, and I, I, I hope they do. Of course, I mean, what we haven't touched on is uh, is vulnerable children. And, um, you know, with the, and that covers a whole range of things. Um, vulnerable children who are best off in school for, you know, because they have special educational needs that couldn't be met at yep. high, which are normally met at school. Um, and also, you know, we have to consider that there are some young people, obviously I can't talk specifics here, but um, yep. who, who actually we have a duty of care to. Um, and maybe being trapped at home is not the best space for them, the safest space for them, or even a place where that sense of social responsibility about how to behave at this time would be would be being communicated. So, um, and this is where schools know best. I mean, um, you know, we've set up all sorts of um, systems in place around communication and about, but actually schools, you know, have been autonomous from the council for a long while in many ways. Um, and um, we need to keep that communication there so that if they need support from the council in those extreme cases that we can we can step in and help them. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, that, I, I, I think, you, you know, that is really important in this situation. As unprecedented as it is, there will be, there will be people for whom home isn't necessarily a, uh, necessarily either a safe or a comfortable environment for them. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, and, you know, like you say, the, the teachers that they normally work with will know those, will know those students yeah, and exactly. know those circumstances and know, know them best and, and, and perhaps what, is the best way to kind of deal with that in our current environment. Yeah. Um, so there isn't a, a one, you know, like with everything else, there isn't really a one size fits no. all response to this. No. Um, and, and also the other thing I think needs to be clarified is that this very broad term of vulnerable, mm-hmm. that includes a vast amount of people and vast amount of reasons. And the majority of those vulnerable children mm-hmm. um, as defined by the government are perfectly safe and probably better yeah. off uh, at home if their parents can actually um, keep them at home so um, it's um, it's sometimes the language around something yeah. um, and takes people off spiraling off into a certain direction so right. I think we need to be careful when we're when we're actually talking about that group and of course in the next few days we should have um, an understanding um, from schools in Portsmouth about you know the sorts of numbers we're talking about around uh, how many kids are going into school because their parents are key workers, um, and how many are going into school because they they need to be in school because they are vulnerable. So um, it's gonna it's, yeah. Is there, is there a feel for that yet, Susie, or is it really just a case of of on Monday? You know, let let's see how many turn up. I um this is a genuinely honest answer. I think there is a feel for it, but I don't have the statistics. I have heard that yep. there, that all schools will be open, um, except for one, which um I believe um is because I'm not gonna say it yet, just in case it's not hundred percent before tomorrow. No. But I believe that one school that's not open it's because the majority because all of the parents um said that they could keep their kids at home. 
Um, right. I believe that there are some concerns from some schools where they're saying we're going to have too many kids in, um, mainly because of the key worker category, which doesn't surprise me because when those two categories came out, I thought if you look at Portsmouth, there are a lot of people who work in a professional capacity, the NHS um, and, and teaching. And um, you've got a lot of people working in, you know, in shops and all those kind of key worker uh, jobs that were, at, were listed. And then, of course, we might have schools in our city where that's not the case. They're more likely to then be having higher numbers of vulnerable children. So mm. um, I think schools were really quite concerned especially when uh, it was announced that it wasn't it wasn't where both parents were key workers it was where one was and i think yeah yeah that 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 felt like an error to me yeah i can and it you know i suppose you have to look at the thinking behind it you know uh, and this is where i come back to this thing about principles and uh, you know families are complex so you you know, remember when they um, announced that it was before the announcement the following day about um, protection of wages, um, but it's still yeah. you've still got the, the the question mark around the the self-employed. So I don't know if you think of a scenario, um, one of them's a nurse, one of them self-employed, they can send a they 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 meet the criteria for sending a child to school, and they and then they can keep yep. working. Um, and I think that's where we've got to be really uh, careful, but we need to, and I've noticed schools are starting to use the word critical worker um, instead of just yep. key worker. And I think that's, there's a few schools have put some social media out tonight saying, you know, you need to think through this. You should make every single effort to keep your child at home. And only send them to school yeah. if you if you if you need to. So um, I think the numbers are going to be interesting over the next few days. So thinking about the next few days, Susie, what what is a and again I I hate to ask anybody to make any sort of predictions at the moment, but from from your personal perspective as the cabinet member for education, yeah. where do you think your uh, your, your your focus is going to need to be over the next? We don't go more than a few days, I think, the, yeah. at the moment. Well, I guess it's seeing how many schools are open and what what it looks like in each school, and also, you know, we need to think about we need to think about obviously the the critical workers, but we also need to think about teachers, and we and you know, yep. and pr protecting staff as much as possible, and um, on the social distancing stuff. Um, so it will be a case of um, looking at what each school looks like i mean there have you know schools I and mean, we're really lucky in portsmouth um way before my time um um the portsmouth education partnership was set up when schools were becoming academies um and you know not forgetting that um there was a white paper that was pulled so by the end of next year all schools should have been academies um, but in that transition period of more and more schools becoming academies the council set up the Portsmouth Education Partnership where it sits alongside the multi-academy trusts um, and maintains schools and the university various various key interested partners and in actual fact I mean you know 
it's been really successful in keeping dialogue open and um, between what could be quite, um, you know, uh, segregated groups of people. And when I go to conferences, like and I talk to my counterparts nationally, they say, what, you're a, you actually get in academies? And it's like, yeah. So the reason I say that is this, it's almost like this has really served its purpose over the last week or so, and I think moving forward. So schools are talking to each other and, for example, saying things like secondary schools saying, we may find it easier to cover in terms of staffing because more young people may be at home. And we're quite happy to go in and help in primary schools if needs be. Um, so there's that real sense of wanting to work collectively to to make this a success um but i i just you know the thing that i guess my worry is maybe the message around we really want as few people in in school in young you know children and young people in school as possible that needs to be reiterated i think yeah, and I th I tend to think what we've got here, Susie, and this is where, you know, when 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 you look at it, and and again, I, I, my wife was describing to me the pictures of, of Portsmouth Seafront on Saturday, and you know yeah. the West Witterings Beach, which is you know, uh, it, it's that piece of, this is really simple information. I can't, I, I, and again, you know, Simon's much kinder than I am, and you know, people are at different places, but f for me, the messaging is very clear. And it is that element of, you know, particularly when it comes to schools, if the last resort is sending your child to school, send your child mm -hmm. to school. Mm -hmm. But if it's anything other than that, you know, yeah, keep them home. Do your bit. Be socially responsible. I mean, I've just um, walked around to leave something outside my mum's. Um, you know, my mum's 80-something, my nan's 101. I'm worried sick. Obviously, I am. And, um, you know, I've, I've been socially distancing and just leaving something outside. And as I walked around there, there were three three crowds of people walking around. And it really made me angry. I uh, I was like, you know, you you probably will be OK, but you, you have no idea how serious this is that you walking around in groups of five, six or seven. It is. So, yeah, it's quite. And I don't know whether that's just because some people... Um, aren't listening or whether it kind of just hasn't landed with some people yet or it's just a habit thing um i've noticed so i i've i go out to exercise each day so i'll, I'll go out for a walk so i'm well done walking um <laughs> i do actually yeah, just despite all all physical and visible evidence to the contrary i, I do actually try to exercise um so I, I try to do that and there's this very kind of British thing of each time I encounter someone if I'm out on a walk we almost do, it, it's not quite got to Jane Austen levels where we kind of bow yeah. and then circumnavigate each other um, in a, with, a, with, a, there, with though, a two metre it? diameter around it but it's kind of similar to that but I'm still I am seeing um, groups of uh, of people that aren't and I'm not talking about families that are out together that you know obviously they're 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 out to, they're out together but um groups of people that are out with their obviously out with their friends of you know four or yeah. five, four or five people it doesn't look like anything has has actually changed or and it, and again it is it just a habit thing of when um of in um in in shops for example 
you know, some shops have started marking out the distances for you to queue yeah. in, um, whereas others that haven't, um, you know, I, I was in a shop yesterday and was in a shop the, the day before and, you know, the shop was pretty much empty, but but someone queued right up behind me. And yeah. it's the, it, it's just kind of that thing of us kind of changing our habits um, enough to be able to realise that um, the, these things, we, we've just got to rethink all of those things and... And alter them, and I, and I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm being a bit gentle to people to kind of, to, you know, in thinking, okay, it's just a habit thing rather than it being a deliberately inconsiderate thing. But some people, yeah, I, I don't, I don't quite get. There's some of the groups that I see around I it. Weird, more, it's weird. I think it's more about um, when you look at what motivates people to do or not to do something. It's um, it's frequently driven by how that relates to them, mm. um, and um, I don't. I think for some people it's taking longer to realise, um, you know, the enormity and how serious it is. I mean, I have a brother, I've got one in Australia, but I've got one in France. And so I've seen this coming up. He's been giving me, and you know, my mum, my mum was, you know, we were all, we've all been emphasising it, but it's only really been the last few days that I think she's realised that we're not just being neurotic. Um, and, you know, my brother was, was ringing her and saying, this is what's going on in France and we're two weeks ahead of you. So you need to know this. So I'm hoping and I'm optimistic that people, um, you know, will will change even more, but whether we'll need some external kind of enforcement, um, I don't know. We'll see. I saw Boris's, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, briefing earlier on. Um, I wanted him to do more, but I can't believe say, I'm saying that. It was me. Like, I live for my freedom yeah. and not being told what to do. But, but I'm it, like, why don't you just do something? But, more, it, you know. but I guess okay. if, we ha if the government have to go further, we'll only have ourselves to blame, won't we? Because, you know, sorry, go on, Ian. Uh, and that, and that's the thing, isn't it? it? Is that you know, if we can be socially responsible, responsible as a society, we won't need to do more. But there's an element of all, all the time that the minority just can't play by the rules. It makes yeah. that that likelihood of something more extreme. You know, it, it makes that become more likely. You know, yeah. as, as we as we push forward. So. These are extraordinary times, mm -hmm. um, mm. you know, and a, a, again, to that point of who would have believed just, you know, three, four, five weeks ago, oh, um, you know, we'd be sat here talking about uh, about something quite so serious as we are, uh, as we are now. So. And, I, and I, I also, I keep getting, I don't know about you guys, but I keep getting waves, you know, I kind of get used to it and I get this wave of, oh my goodness, this is really happening. It's not like a you know, a 1970s futuristic sci-fi yeah. series that I'm watching on BBC Two. It's like yeah, really got, happening. Yeah, got got me on Friday, Susie. I, I'm yeah. not ashamed to say I am. I am a. I, I like to think of myself as a very robust character, um, and I shed a tear when they closed my gym. Yeah. And you think, you know, and again, you take a look at yourself and you say, well, how much of a bloody first world problem have you got if yeah. you're shedding tears over the closure of your gym? Yeah. But for me, it was that it was that element of it brought into stark contrast. Yeah. yeah. That a simple reality like, you know, working from home half past 11. I haven't got another meeting till two. I saddle my guide dog up. 
I've donned the lycra, only metaphorically, and that's my <laughs> time that. and my space. And yeah. I don't have that anymore. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it it is those little things, and in the grand scheme of things, they are very little things. Yeah. But they're the bits that um they're the bits that kind of you know just give you a different perspective. If you hear noise in the background, Sir Arthur Kitten Doyle has decided to jump onto my desk and is um <laughs> is adamant he wants to be part of the podcast. Oh well, it'll be it'll be a difference for us to actually have a cat joining the podcast, whereas mine usually scarper. But that's usually because. Millsy is here in, and they're just sitting at the edge and glaring at him. Susie, when I say an enormous thank you for taking some time out of your Sunday evening to come and talk to us, and uh, hopefully the, the the folk that listen to the podcast will will you know really kind of enjoy getting some insight in what are extraordinary times. Yes, well, thank you very much for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you very much for for coming on, and you have a have a lovely evening and keep yourself safe. Thank you. All right then. Bye. Bye, Susie. Bye. Take care. So, there we go. So there you have it, Simon. Again, you know, fascinating challenge. You know, we, I think we've said it before, and and it, and it can never be more true that, you know, the folk who are our local councillors, you know, they're not doing this for the fame and the money and the bright lights. And, no, they're really not. You know, again, I want to thank Susie and. And all of those councillors from every party who at the moment, mm-hmm. I am sure, are giving, you know, 100% to, to trying to keep all of their, uh, all of the folk in their wards safe and well to get us out the other side of this. Yeah, indeed. At the end of the day, at, time, at times like this, this isn't about politics. This is about people and this is about coming together to find the solutions and work hard to find, you know, to help the people in our communities uh, and do those things. And... You know, as the saying goes in, in, in testing, well, I don't think it's even a saying, but I'm probably massively transposing something awfully, is that, you know, in, in testing times, you, you either get to see people at their at their worst or you get to see them at their best. Um, and I, I, I'm fundamentally optimistic about how the people of Portsmouth will rise to this challenge um, and will help each other out. And, we, you know, we'll, we'll yep. learn things about each other and we'll learn things about ourselves. Um that will will really kind of put us in good stead. It is it is frightening. It is scary. We're in this together. It is not a bad thing to be frightened about this. It is not a you know um, you know parents that next week will be kind of struggling to figure out how they how to you know teach their children for an unspecified amount of time or to or to or to worry about how they're kind of performing against the pressure of what they perceive of what they should be doing with that time. At the end of the day. Cut yourself some slack, guys. Give yourselves give yourselves a yeah. give yourselves a break. At the end of the day, um, we we're just getting we're just muscling our way through this. We are just figuring figuring out a way to do it. Let's um, and I, I'm sorry if it sounds too cheesy and too contrite and is is um, awful for anybody who's lactose intolerant. But let, let's just be kind to each other. Let's give ourselves a bit of a break. Let's um, and let's just you know let's be honest. If we're struggling, let's say that to each other. Let's let's admit that there's no problem with that at all, because we can find some solutions. There are some things that are really really out of our control, but there are some things that are, and and those things are following the government's advice, social distancing, washing your hands. If you have symptoms, then you need to isolate. If you're in a if you're in a household with other other people, then you you need to you know they need to isolate um, uh, as well. And you can find those that information on the NHS website. 
I, 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 uncertain as it is, I, I remain fundamentally convinced that we, we're going to actually see a lot of positives out of this. As, as awful as this situation is, as horrible it is, but yeah, my plea would be to people. Get- yep. To just to, We've got to get through and out the other yeah, side. We we have, and um, you know, let's make it as easy as we possibly can on those people that are working in the NHS to keep us safe. Let's make it as easy as we possibly can um, for them to keep us and our loved ones healthy. Let's you know, let's do that, and we we can do that. I think that's a that's a way to. I was trying not to go for the Jerry Springer of. No, you've, Look you've, after you've yourself done it. I'm and... going to stop you there <laughs> and say that you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. <laughs> Blue and yellow till we die. And hopefully not no. close by. No. But... I'm Ian Tony Morris. And, and I'm Simon Sansbury. Thank you.